everyone. I remembered. See, last week I took a lot of time getting up here because I was, I was thinking the kids would be leaving and all of that. But I remembered this week I needed to get up here quicker and get ready to go. It's so good to see you this morning. I'm excited that I see some faces that I have not seen in months. I mean, really. And it, to see you today is just such a joy. Zane, I'm so glad to see you walk in this morning. I, I know you've had a, had a lot of issues that you've been dealing with. Um, I told him that we have the high-risk room next door if he felt like he needed to be in there, but here he is right here in the midst of the sanctuary, and uh, it's so good to see all of you this morning. And uh, gradually, people are starting to come back and get back in, and uh, this is just one of those times as a pastor, you just kind of have to you know, hold yourself back a little bit, you know. I guess it's like a jockey with the horse and the gate, you know, you're holding that thing back until time. Every week I want to get on Facebook or social media and say, let's pack the house out Sunday. Everybody get a friend and bring them to church. I'm, I'm holding back, but boy, it won't be much longer. I believe we're going to be able to fill this place up. The good news is uh, that the governor now has uh, increased our rate uh, to 50% capacity. So instead of uh, shooting for 33, those of you who are just joining us and this is your first Sunday back, you'll notice we have several chairs that are missing. We're doing that to comply with the CDC guidelines. We're at 33% of our seating capacity. Uh, but beginning next week, we will be able to put some more chairs in and we will be able to uh, fill up to 50% capacity. We're still going to so yeah, praise the Lord for that. We're still going to social distance and we're still going to try our best not to do the Pentecostal spit on anybody, you know, and that kind of thing. We're not going to shake hands. Uh, we'll do the, fish, uh, the chicken wing at a distance. No elbows touching, no holy kisses or anything like that. Uh, but we're just glad to be able to see each other and kind of wave and, and uh, glad to, to just be able to have church again. Amen. So thank you for coming and being with us today. I want to ask you to be praying with us uh, this next week, beginning tomorrow morning, in fact. Uh, we will be reopening our child care center. And uh, with that comes a lot of regulations, a lot of hoops to have to jump through. And uh, we're trying to meet all of those. And at this point, it looks like that we're good to go on everything uh, I don't know that we'll be able to open back up at full capacity because we've got a lot of families that are still unemployed and still trying to get back into the flow of things, uh, but we're going to be pretty close to that. So pray for us that the Lord will keep his hand of protection upon us. Our employees are going to be required to work differently than they have in the past, having to wear face masks and shields in some areas. Um, we have to stay with the same kids all day long other than break time and the person who gives the break has to be the same person every time. So I mean it's, there's a lot that goes into it but I believe that we can do it. Amen. Nothing is too hard for God's people. And so we will be opening in the morning and I pray that you will uh, be prayerful uh, that the Lord will keep us safe and 
and that these children will be safe and that we will be able to move forward very rapidly and give good care to these children. So I appreciate that uh, very much. And also, while you're turning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to ask you to consider doing something with me. Now, next week is Father's Day. I realize that we've got a lot of people going to be out of town for to celebrate uh, that holiday. Um, but the first Sunday in July, which is July the 5th, I want to encourage you to bring an offering with you. It's not for our church, but it's for world missions. As you know, uh, as we have moved through these last several weeks, uh, we, giving has uh, had to be paused in some areas of our church. Our church is doing fine. Uh, the majority of our people continue to pay their tithe and give, either mailing it in or giving online or uh, we've been doing curbside pickup, which we're not doing anymore since you, you can come to church. Now, we had people every Wednesday morning would come in and bring their tithe just to drop it off at the church and then have prayer. So our people have been giving very faithfully, and our church is doing fine and uh, no real concerns at this point. <clears throat> but one of the things that we've kind of put on pause is our giving to world missions. The beginning of the year, we decided that we wanted to partner with every Church of God congregation across the state of Kentucky, and we're all going to give our world missions at the beginning of the year into one project. It is called Reclaiming the Stone in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, several years ago, the Pentecostal church used to be very strong in Scotland and uh, had a great footprint in that nation but due to a lot of unrest and things of that nature it's kind of lost its foothold there and lost its influence in the community and so together we want to build a facility there that will house a church itself but also a church where church planters can go and be trained and then leave out of that congregation and move into various communities within the nation of Scotland and so we're going to help with that and so every Church of God congregation based on their size is going to make a contribution into that and we've got about 250 Church of God congregations in the state of Kentucky so you can imagine how powerful this can be when we all work together so our commitment that we have made is two thousand dollars now, prior to the COVID-19, we had kind of started, and we have about $700 in our World Missions Fund that is designated for that. So we've got about $1,300 to reach our goal. Now listen, a goal is just a goal. So once we arrive at $2,000, if you give more than that, every penny that comes in for that project will go to that project. So if you're feeling really good about wanting to give and you want to give uh, more than that, then we're going to make sure that that money goes to that project. So as we're coming back and as we're regathering and as we're reopening, we want to get the focus back on planting seed around this world so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be preached. Amen? It's all about souls. It's, a, it's what the church uh, primarily is supposed to be doing is winning people to Jesus Christ. 
And so on the first Sunday in July, I might have said June a minute ago, I'm not sure. I get tired of listening to myself talk, so I shut myself off sometimes. You ever done that? But it's the first Sunday in July. If you'll just bring an offering, now this is not your tithe, this is a special offering, and we're going to all join together, and we're going to give to this project, and I believe we'll reach it very quickly, don't you? I know that you'll help me accomplish that. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to talk to you today about love. I've just been meditating all week on this idea of love. You know, you're not hearing a whole lot of, uh, about love from the news media right now, from the world that we're leaving, living in. There seems to be an awful lot of unrest, amen? But I'm thankful that God is love. And for those of us who are His people, love should be flowing through us, amen? So I want to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, and then I'm going to focus on just a few of these verses and, and get our mindset on this idea of being people of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part now, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you'll help me to represent this passage of Scripture properly to your people so that as they hear today, something will spark in their soul that will want, cause them to want to rise to a place of maturity and that they might love like they've never loved before. Father, thank you for the opportunity to represent your word now to your people. Let it hit us right where it needs to hit us. And may we apply it to our lives 
properly in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Why don't we get started by just looking to the right or to the left, whoever you're close to. Just wave at somebody and say, I love you. Amen. That looks good. Some of you just said that to your spouse, and you're accustomed to that, telling them you love them. Why don't you do it again, only look at somebody else that's not related to you and smile at them and wave at them and say, I love you. Amen. Oh, that was sweet. Some of you were looking at me when you said that. I feel so loved. Amen. All right, so this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. I know that you've read it many, many times. If you've been following the Lord for many years, you no, no telling how many times you've read this. In fact, it's possible that some of you have committed many of these verses to memory and you know what this has to say. So I don't really want to tear it apart and really dissect it. I read this week one particular commentator said that you have to be very delicate with this particular chapter in Scripture. Because in its fullness, it is beautiful like a flower. It has many different petals that together make up the beauty of the flower. And if you pluck the, the petals in an attempt to try to get to the source of the flower, you will ruin the beauty of the flower because you're picking it apart. And so he said, with this particular passage of Scripture... You just kind of read it for what it says. It is what it is. And so read it and receive it and let it together with all of these verses create a beautiful flower that makes people smile. So I'm going to try to do that today. I don't want to dissect it too much. I don't want to pull it apart. I want the beauty of the chapter to remain. And so there are some things, though, that I want us to focus on for the next few minutes. So today I'm going to talk to you very briefly about what love is. I'm going to talk to you about what love is not. I'm going to talk to you about what love does. And I'm going to talk to you about how love remains or love abides. So let's get started with this idea of what love is. If you'll look at verse 4, the very first part of that verse, it says love is patient and love is kind. Now, obviously, we're not talking about love being all-inclusive in this one statement. There are many things that we could say about what love is. But what the writer of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was trying to get out at the very outset is that love demonstrates at least two things. And the first is this idea of patience. Now when we think about patience, what scripture here is talking about is very different. If we talk about patience, we might get the idea of, okay, we're going to drive through the drive through at Dairy Queen or somewhere like that and we're going to order an ice cream cone. But right now in Mount Washington, if you go to Dairy Queen, everybody in Mount Washington is at Dairy Queen because that's just about all the ice cream that they have in, in Dairy Queen or not all the ice cream they have in Mount Washington. So you better be prepared to wait for a few minutes if you want your ice cream. Patience is sitting in the, that line 
focused upon that creamy goodness that is going to fit good in your hand and go down smooth in your throat. I mean, you can fantasize about how good that ice cream's going to taste when you eventually get up there. Patience is just this idea of being able to wait with some calm assurance that what you're waiting for will eventually take place. That's not what the apostle is talking about here. What he's talking about is better translated with the term long-suffering. Now there are times that we have to go through things in life that causes us to suffer. Now listen, if it takes more than 10 minutes for you to get your ice cream at Dairy Queen, you are not suffering. Now I know that you think you are. My wife and I were just talking on the way to church today about all the many people that have this odd idea of what it means to suffer. I've been thinking about this whole pandemic and I'm not trying to discount it, but when you look through the years at some of the figures of previous pandemics and, uh, and wars and things of that nature, there have been t- and, and dictators like Stalin and Hitler who literally killed millions of people. What we're going through right now, though it is difficult and though it should be considered, God has not taken us to a level of suffering like There has been in years past. Suffering. So when we suffer patiently, that's what he's saying love is. So if, let's, as an example, if my boss at work is being mean to me, is being overbearing to me, as a child of God, if I love, then I am willing to suffer with patience or suffer with some calm and suffer with some resolve in that process of suffering. Maybe it's in our homes with our spouse and we're speaking negative words to one another or we're treating each other in an abusive manner. To be able to go through that and still be to, to be able to suffer with love is what he's talking about. He's saying that we, through the power of Christ, have the ability to go through any kind of difficulty, any kind of suffering, and still love in the middle of that. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's not easy. It takes a real spiritual maturity to be able to love and to be able to suffer long in the midst of it. I know some of your stories. I know some of your backstories. And the fact that you are still in a place where you can love and you can put a smile on your face and you can be gracious and grateful for life speaks volumes of your level of spiritual maturity because you've been through so many things And in so many areas of your life, you've had to suffer different things and yet you get up every morning with a smile on your face and with a desire to love and to give love and to speak love and, and to be the representative of Christ's love in this world. And so what he begins with, he's saying one of the things that love is is it is being able to love your live your life in a long-suffering way. And then he says, not only is it long-suffering or 
not only is love patient, but love is kind. You know, we have the ability to be kind to everyone. Did you know that? We have that ability. If we're not careful, though, we will get inside of ourselves so much that the only person that we can, we're concerned about is ourselves. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and if it's not that way, kindness can go out the window. The other day, uh, we were trying to debate what we wanted to eat, and it, it was one of those non-cooked days. You know what I'm talking about, right? We cook at home, cook at home, cook at home, and then it's like uh, she'll say, well, I'm not cooking today. So that pretty well means that today is a non-cooked day because all I know how to do is heat up a hot dog in the microwave. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm not, that's not my spiritual gift. So we decided that we were going to go to Cain's uh, Chicken. You know, you know that one that they say, chicken, 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 which combo are you picking? You know, have you ever driven through the drive-through? So they had cones set up and a sign that said, Please drive all the way around the building to come into the drive-through. Well, me being the man that I am and being a little stubborn and being a little impatient at times, there was no one else there. So I decided I'd go between the cones and get immediately in the line. And so I did that. And when I did, a man who was trying to play by all rules had gone all the way around the building and came up behind me and uh, was just a little bit upset that I had cut the line. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know none of you have ever done anything like that. I'm the only sinner in the house today. Uh, but I, I did it, and he was a little upset. So instead of greeting me with various words and, and uh, things of that nature, he drove up behind me, and he got out, and he moved all the cones so that they were closer together and no car then after me could cut through. So he's out there, he's moving these cones and he's moving them closer together. And I'm chuckling just a little bit that I had the ability to upset this man so much, but I, but I did. And so I thought, well, you know, I could shoot my mouth off to him and, and all that kind of stuff. But what I decided to do was be kind. And so when I drove up to pay for my chicken, I paid for his chicken. My wife and I both ate for $7. He was alone in his car, and I had to pay $9 for his chicken. So I don't know. But I was kind. I, was, I, was kind. I smiled. I, you know, I thought, I'm not going to let this thing get the best of me because I can still love even in the midst of what could have been a difficult situation. And so when we got our chicken, we went ahead and came out, and we were stopped at the stoplight. And while we were stopped at the stoplight, I saw him coming. He was coming behind me, and he got off to the side. He was going to turn right, and I thought, here it comes. He's going to give me a piece of his mind. But instead, he smiled at me, gave me, gave me one of those chicken salutes, and thank you, and a thumbs up, and thank you. And, and it just dawned on me that one act of kindness caused that entire situation to just move to a place of calm, and, and it settled the issue right there. And I thought to myself, that's exactly what God wants from us. He wants us to be 
kind. He wants us to reach out to others with love and kindness and speak kind words and do kind things on his behalf. If you can't do it on your own behalf, you can do it on behalf of Jesus Christ. And so he expects us to be patient and long-suffering and he expects us to extend kindness even to those who may not be deserving of the kindness. So that's what love is. And then let's talk about what love is not. In verses 4, the last part of verse 4 all the way verse 6, let's read it. It says, love does not envy or, it, or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So he gives us several things here that love is not. Now once again, this is not all inclusive. There may be ways that love uh, or the lack of love can be displayed in our lives that is not on this list. But what the apostle is saying is, let's start right here and evaluate our lives and evaluate our attitudes and evaluate our actions and see if love is coming out of our lives. And so he says, number one, he says, people of love are not envious. In other words, I don't look at you and envy what you have. Because if I envy what you have, not only does it reveal that I'm dissatisfied with my own life, but I want what you want. And it can cause me to want to covet what you have. And so envy is not an act of love. If I envy you, then it is showing that that is a weakness in my love. And then he says, not only should we not be envious, but we should not be proud. Because if we're proud, then it quickly all becomes about me. I'm proud of my actions. I'm proud of what I've done. I'm proud of what I've said. I'm proud of how I'm conducting myself on a daily basis. I am proud of myself. You know, the scripture talks about the two men that are praying in the temple. And the one is standing up front so that everyone can see him and hear him and observe what a great man of God that he is. But, but he is actually put down because he is acting in pride. He wants everyone to see him. That's exactly what he's doing. He's trying to pick flowery words so that people will listen to him and hear him. And so he is proud. But then on the other side, there's a man who's very humble in his prayer. And he doesn't care that anyone sees or hears what he's saying because prayer to him is not about people seeing him, but it's about conversation between he and the Father which is in heaven. And so there is this issue of pride. If I am proud of who I am, and if I am proud of what I think and what I do, then it causes love to move out of my motives. 
and so envious and proud. And then he says arrogant. He says arrogant. He said we are not to be arrogant. I'll ask you this, but I'll ask you to keep your hands down. Don't lift your hands up. Do you know anyone that is arrogant? Do you know any arrogant people? I mean, you know what arrogant means. It, It really, every breath that they breathe somehow has to come back to them. It has to, to be about them and their thoughts and their actions and what they do. They're just as arrogant as the day is long. But I'm telling you, it takes a, a full dose of love to love arrogant people. Is that not true? I mean, because you get around arrogant people, well, the first thing I want to do is just leave. Typically, I, I, just, I just want to leave. But, but we can't do that. We can't love proper, properly if we leave every time we come up to someone who is arrogant. And so we have to learn how to love them even in the midst of their arrogance. And we have to be careful that we don't become arrogant in the process. Because when we become arrogant, then it causes us to, to, to cease loving other people. And so he says, it is not arrogant. Then he says, people who love are not rude. Do you know anybody that's rude? I do. I mean, people that are rude take no thought for you whatsoever. They, they, They take no thought about whether or not what you're saying or what you're doing is, is wrong motivation. Rude. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be pushing my way around. I, I don't want to be putting myself above, above others because when I am rude, it is a selfish motivation. Rudeness. Rudeness. He says you can't be rude and love. Then he says you can't be cliquish. Uh, you don't know how many times through the years as a pastor that I've heard people say you can't, I'm not coming to your church because your people, they have cliques. They, you know, they're cliquish. They don't, they don't include me or they won't allow me to break into their inner circle. And while that can be true at times, it's very hard, I think, to say that about our church because I've never pastored a church in all my life that was less judgmental You know, we're we're not judging other people. We're open to everyone as best we can be. But we have to be willing not to even give the impression that we are cliquish. We must open the door to everyone. We must open the door to everyone regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of their background, regardless of whether they are a fan of Indiana or Kentucky or U of L. We must be willing to love all without being cliquish. Because once we set up and establish our territory, if we don't allow them to come in and be loved, then we're not loving the way that Jesus would. The next thing he says is that you can't love properly and be touchy. Do you know anybody that's touchy? I mean, they just, they get offended with everything that you say. They're touchy. 
I mean, they, they just don't, don't get close to me. Don't, don't say certain things. I'm touchy. I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to come at me like that because I'm touchy. And when we're touchy, it, it causes us to not be able to love properly because we are too busy protecting ourselves. I, I remember several years ago I pastored a man who uh, had served in Vietnam and it had affected him very, uh, very negatively. And he was, he was touchy, but it wasn't, it wasn't because of a bad attitude. He was touchy because of what he had gone through when he served in the military. But what was wrong about it is that we had guys in the church that would come up behind him and touch him on the back or touch him on the shoulder or whatever. And when he did, when he'd get touched, I mean, he'd just turn around. And if he wasn't careful, and if you weren't careful, he'd just deck you right there in the church house. It's called laying on of hands without oil. It was so severe for this man that he he had a gun on his bedstand every night. And one particular night, his daughter came in in the middle of the night and startled him. And he reached over and grabbed his gun and had it in her face before he even knew what he was doing. That's how severe this was for him. And so we had to reorient the the people of our church to this need that he has. I have people that say, well, it's his problem. You know, he, he needs psychological help and he needs this and he needs that. And he probably did need some help and some counseling and things of that nature. But if I'm not careful, I can create an atmosphere whereby it brings out the worst in someone else rather than bringing out the best in them. And so we have to be very careful of this thing. And then... The next thing he talks about is suspicious. People who love are not suspicious. Well, I wonder what your motive is. I wonder why you said that. I wonder, I wonder what that meant. I, I wonder why they walked away when I came up. I, I, wonder, I wonder why. It must be a conspiracy. COVID-19 must be a conspiracy. Think, think I'll just post something on Facebook about Andy shutting all the churches down and saying that you can't do that. It's got to be a conspiracy. I mean, people of love do not sit around all the time and consider suspicious thoughts and thoughts about conspiracies. They expect the best at all times. And if someone does have a wrong motive, you know what I believe? I believe God is able to take care of that situation and keep me protected and keep me in His hand. I'm in the hands of the Lord. I, nobody can take me out of the hand of God. Nobody. You say, well, what if somebody does something bad to you? Well, I don't know. Ask John the Baptist. You know, they did something bad to him. Cut his head off. But the minute that his head was cut off, you know where he woke up? You know what the next thing he saw was? Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, you know, we've got to get to this place where we say, Lord, I trust you with my life. 
No matter what happens and no matter what somebody else tries to do to me, I am not going to waste my time worrying about somebody did not shake my hand. I guess one of the good things about COVID-19 and no handshaking is that nobody goes home on Sunday afternoon thinking, I wonder why so-and-so didn't shake my hand. Because no one is shaking anybody's hand. Suspicious. I wonder why my wife said that. I wonder why my husband said that. I wonder what my children are up to. I wonder what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm telling you what, we've got some suspicious people in this world, amen? But what we're being told here is that we're not supposed to spend time trying to figure out all the conspiracies and be, being suspicious of everyone, but instead we are to love everyone equally as God has called us to. And then he says in verse 6, he says, It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Now we've got a lot of stuff going on in our world right now. And we've got to be real careful how we view it until we get all of the information. I mean, because there are, sometimes there are facts that have to be considered before we understand the reality of what has just taken place. Instead, we assign our, uh, our, our opinion about a particular thing sometimes way too early. And we get way upset and all, all upset about this activity or that activity. And then information comes in later that may change the way that we view that particular situation. And if we're not careful, we can start celebrating too early or, or we can be offended too early. You guys probably don't remember this, but way back years ago, there used to be a basketball player. Not, he was not the greatest of all time, okay? Everybody knows who that is. I'm not going to get involved in that argument. I don't care what LeBron says. We all know, right? Years ago, there was a guy that played basketball that hailed from Indiana, and his name was Larry Bird. Anybody ever heard of Larry Bird? Have you ever heard of Larry Bird? I'm sorry, I just broke out in song there. I remember one particular game where it looked like it was over. The opposing team had the Celtics down and there was virtually no time on the clock. It was at the and and they were going to inbound the ball, and I don't know how it happened, but Larry Bird comes across the court, steals the inbound pass flips it over to one of his uh, teammates who scores, and they win the game. I mean, it was amazing. But here's the point I'm trying to make with that. There was a time where in the announcers, everybody was saying, it's over. They have beat the Celtics. The Celtics are done for. But they did not ask Larry Bird about whether or not the game was over. And he continued to play until the last second. And here's what I'm trying to say to you. 
We've got to be careful that we reserve our opinions and reserve our actions about something until we have all of the information and all of the facts. We should not rejoice too soon. We should not celebrate too soon. We should not get mad too quickly. We need to get all of the facts together. Did you ever have an argument with your spouse? And you just, I mean, immediately you got mad. I mean, just boom, I'm mad. I'm mad as a hornet. I'm sorry, I can tell by the looks on your faces some of you had that conversation on the way to church this morning. You just got upset and it's like, I'm mad, why would you do that? I don't understand. But then you didn't have all the information. And when you finally did sit down to talk about it, you discovered that that's not what they meant to say. Or that's not how they really felt. But now I have already wasted all of this energy being upset and being angry and being mad. I've spent, it. you know, it's the reason the scripture says don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Oh, there have been many times that we've had to miss our bedtime. You know, because we were still discussing the information that was before the house. You know what I'm saying? And there were times I was willing to give in just because I was sleepy. I wanted to go to bed. No, I'm just kidding. But what he's saying is, is that people of love don't rejoice in wrongdoing. But they attempt to get the facts and make the proper decisions. So again, this is not an exhaustive list, but this is what he says love is not. Envious, proud, arrogant, rude, cliquish, touchy, suspicious, happy with evil. Now let's talk about for just a minute what love does. He says, first of all, that love bears all things. In other words, what he's saying is, is that there comes a time that there are certain things that we have to bring up and bear. It's a weight, if you will, that we have to bear in the midst of a difficult situation. If we want a positive resolution, we must be willing to bear it up on our shoulders. Now, that doesn't mean that we walk around discouraged and we walk around depressed and we walk around mad and we walk around angry and we walk around with all those emotions. But what it means is, is that we bear the circumstance using the giftings and the tools that God has given us to overcome that situation. I've never prayed so much in all my life as I did when my kids were teenagers. Both of them. I mean, parents have this way of knowing when their kids are not doing what they ought to be doing. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there comes a time in the life of every child where talking to them no longer works. Whipping them no longer works. There comes a time that if you try to whip them, they might whip you back. But there comes a time when those fleshly things no longer work. And so what we have to do is we have to 
put on the armor of God. We have to put on prayer. We have to put on Scripture. Find ways to work it into our conversations with our kids and with our spouse and with our neighbor. We have to find ways to use the tools that God has given us to overcome our circumstances. But instead, we oftentimes in the flesh, we just let the weight just get all over us. Oh, I just can't. I just can't take it. I just can't bear that person. I just can't. I just can't talk to my spouse right now. I just can't look at my child. I just can't. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't think this. I can't think that. But God has given us the ability through the Spirit of God to overcome every situation. But we don't do it in the flesh. We do it in the Spirit. And so when you see someone who's fighting a spiritual battle, who is engaged with the spirit of darkness, uh, they're not bearing it up in the flesh. They are bearing it up in the spirit and saying, I am going to overcome uh, because of the power of Jesus Christ. Like the psalmist David, when he came before Goliath, he wasn't fighting him in the flesh. He knew that that little stone would not be sufficient unless it was guided by the Spirit of God. But when he came out, he didn't say to Goliath, I think I can beat you, I hope I can beat you, I want to beat you, I'm going to try to beat you. He says, I come to you today in the name of the Lord God of Israel, and this day I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds, you sorry Philistine. I paraphrase that last part. That's not in the Bible, but I just put it there. If I'd have been there, I'd have probably said something like that. But you see what I'm saying? He's saying love bears all things. I don't want to pray for that person. I, I don't want to change my ways for that person. Well, then you're not loving them with godly love because if you love with godly love, you'll be willing to bear that up and take it upon yourself so that you can see it through. And then secondly, he says, believes all things. Did you ever have somebody tell you something and you thought, they're lying to me. They are not telling the truth. And yet it's someone that we love and it's someone that we trust. But our mind says they are not speaking the truth. The Bible tells us to give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove that they are speaking falsehoods. If you've ever watched Andy Griffith, one of my favorite shows, and I watched it this week, was the one where uh, Opie met this man in the woods by the name of Mr. McBeebe. And they asked him, they said, well, you know, you, you couldn't have met a guy like that. He seems like a fairy tale story. You know, it, 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 they said, tell us about him. He said, well, he, he walks in the trees. He has dangly things that hang from his belt. He jingles when he walks. <clears throat> he gave Opie a hatchet one day. And, and Andy said, where did you get the hatchet? And he said, I got it from Mr. McBeebe. He said, no, 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 you, you didn't get that from this guy that walks in the trees. A couple days later, he came with a quarter. 
And Andy says to him, he said, where'd you get that quarter? And he said, I got it from Mr. McBeeby. And so this story begins to build, and finally, if you've watched it, you know that Andy sends Opie up to his room, and he said, I'm coming up. And he told Aunt B, he said, I guess that he has worked his way up to a whooping. And he goes upstairs, and he says to Opie, I'm going to give you one more chance. He says, all you have to do is say that you made him up, and this will all go away. And he said, I want you to say, Opie, that Mr. McBeeby is not real. And he said, say it. And Opie sat there for a minute and he said, I'm telling you, you're going to have to say it. And finally, Opie said, Mr. McBeeby. He said, I can't do it, Dad. I can't do it. I can't do it. And he said, don't you believe me? And now all of a sudden, that entire relationship took on new meaning. Andy realized that he had raised this young boy to tell the truth at all times. He realized that he had instilled instilled in him this idea of honesty. And he knew that he had put that in him and so he must be telling the truth. He goes downstairs and Barney said, well, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? I didn't do it. I didn't whip him. Why did you not whip him for telling this truth? He said, because I believe that what Opie is saying is true. I believe in Opie. And I thought to myself, knowing I was going to preach this today, that's exactly what Paul is saying. We've got to learn how to trust people and believe them and take them at their word even when it makes absolutely no sense to us. Love will believe even when it makes no sense to us. And so we must be willing to believe until the evidence proves otherwise. And then he says, hope's all things. I'm, I'm so... I, I'm, I'm a little weird. I like to watch little Facebook videos and things like that. And this week I was watching these videos of, of guys that were diving off of boards. It was like the Olympics or whatever, and they'd, they'd walk up to the edge, and you, you've seen it. You know how it is. They got their little Speedos on, and they get their, you know, their little hat on and all that kind of stuff, and they, and they walk up to the edge, and they get right up the edge. I'm sitting at home saying, I hope they fall. I know it's a terrible thing. I know. I know it is. I'm thinking, you know, when they start springing the board up like this, I'm thinking, I hope their foot slips and they go off the side or they bang their butt on the way down or whatever. That's way more fun to watch than watching them dive. And this past week, I'm sitting out on the porch and I'm watching one of those and this guy gets up to the edge and he does everything right. But I don't know, somehow he got out of rotation. His rotation wasn't right. And when he hit the water, he just put his legs and his arms out like this and he did the the biggest bust on that water. I mean, it went everywhere and I laughed. I'm telling you, the neighbors must have thought I was crazy. 
Rewind it, rewind it, rewind it, rewind it again. I'm not hoping the best for this guy. I'm hoping that he fails. And you know, that's a funny story, but we do that sometimes with other people. We, we hope that they fail. We hope that they learn their lesson. I don't know if you've ever said that about anybody or not. Well, they'll learn their lesson. I want to be around to see it when they do. That's not the love of Christ. So we must love and we must hope that all things work out good. And then we must endure all things. Love endures all things. I don't know if you know this or not yet, but not everything's going to go your way in life. You understand that, right? Sometimes things are going to happen that you don't like and you want to remove yourself from it. But you, can't re- you, you cannot win the battle if you remove yourself. You have to stay in the battle in order to win. You must be willing to endure. You must be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to see this through. One of my particular friends in this church bought me a book over this shutdown time. It's called Acres of Diamonds, written by Jensen Franklin. And I've been reading through it as I have free time. And basically one chapter says that there are times when you just got to stay put. There there are times that it would seem it'd be much easier just to leave the circumstance that you're in. It, It would be easier just to say, I'll find another spouse, or I'll find another church, or I'll find another job, or I'll find another circumstance that will suit me better. But listen, there are times that what you need to do is just plant your feet and stay put and say, devil, you're not going to drive me away from my blessing. God has ordained this place for me to be. God has put me here for this reason, and I'm going to bloom whether you like it or not right here in this situation, in this circumstance. We must be willing to endure all things. And then musicians come and help me quit, and I'm going to quit with one final thought. Look at verse 8 with me, if you will. In the King James Version, I think, in some of the older versions, it says, love never fails. And the implication here is that love will fix everything. Love will fix every situation, but that is not what this means. The newer translations translate this properly. Mine says it like this. Love never ends. Love never ends. Not love never fails. Because love does not fix everything. But love never ends. Love never quits. It's always among us. It's always in us. And it will always work if we apply love in the situation. It will always continue to work is what I mean by that. Love never ends. Now look at verse 13. It says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. 
I remember a few years back, I was meditating on this. The greatest of these is love, it says. How is love greater than faith and hope? I mean, you think about faith. With just a mustard seed of faith, you can say to a mountain, remove yourself, and it will have to remove itself from your pathway. Faith. I mean, you can be healed in your body because of faith. You can have your financial circumstances resolved because of faith. Faith. Go your way. You've been healed because great is your faith. Faith. And then hope. Hope is a mindset. It's not an occasional thought. It's not something that you just do on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hope is the way you live your life. And I don't mean, oh, I, oh, I hope this Bible's true. I hope that it's true. Jesus says He's coming again. Oh, I hope He does. That's not hope the way that the Scripture talks about hope. The kind of hope that we're talking about is the expectation that what God says is true is going to take place the way that God says it will. Hope. I have hope. I can live today in hope. I can live today knowing that God has His hands upon my life. I can live today because of the hope and the reality that my sins are gone, washed away from me, and I don't have to try to do anything to resolve that. God has already done that. Hope. Expectation. That's the reason I say it all the time. Expect the best. Expect the best. Expect the best. Expect the best. Hope. Faith and hope. And then there's love. Why is love greater than faith and hope? I think I've got this figured out. When we get to heaven and this life is over, we don't have to have faith. God doesn't need faith. Why would God need faith? God controls everything. He's aware of everything. So he doesn't have to believe something because it's already active. God doesn't have to say, well, I have faith that the sun will rise tomorrow. I have faith that this and that, whatever. He doesn't have to because it is all active in him. And when we get to heaven and we're in the presence of God, we're not going to have to have faith. I have faith. I believe by faith. I believe by faith that Jesus is who He says He is. I believe by faith. No, you don't have to have faith when you're standing in the reality of what God said would be. God won't need faith. You won't need faith. Same thing with hope. God doesn't operate with this sense of, oh, I hope something happens. I, I, hope, I hope the earth doesn't get off of its axis. I, I hope, I, I have hope that it will work right. I, I've got this crazy idea that I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I just, I hope it will work. God does not operate that way. God has set everything into motion, and all God does now is sit back and observe it and say, boy, 
That's good. That was good. Can I tell you that God doesn't even look at you with hope? God doesn't look at you and say, I hope that they will make it through this situation. God doesn't say, I hope that this person will stay in the faith. I hope. God knows everything there is to know already. He sees the end from the beginning. He already knows. He's not sitting around hoping. He doesn't want us to sit around hoping. One of these days when we get to heaven, we're not going to be sitting around in heaven saying, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. We should write a song about that. Hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. We could get a good beat going and have one of those Pentecostal dance-offs. Hope. We will need faith. We will need hope. But you know what will last forever? You know what will expand forever? Love. Man, some of you aren't going to like heaven much. Because you don't like love much. We, we don't want to love this one, or we don't want to love that one, or I tried to love this one, and I tried to love that one, but it didn't work very well. Love. When we get to heaven, love will last forever. And it will continue to expand. I mean, we're going to get there and we're going to see Jesus and we're going to say, now I know why I loved you so much. I see things about you that I never dreamed were possible, but I have new revelation and I love you even so much more. And then we're going to see somebody come up and they're going to say, you don't know this, but I heard you preaching on the internet one Sunday. You never knew that I was listening. You never knew that I was there, but I heard what you said about Jesus Christ and I believed it and I turned my life over to Him and because of Spirit Life Church of God, I made it to heaven because of the message that you preached to me and I just want you to know I love you and all of a sudden I'm going to look at that person no matter where they're from they could be some from Greenland I don't know they could be from Iceland I don't know but all of a sudden I'm going to have a love for that individual that I never had before love's going to last forever love is going to expand throughout all of eternity isn't that good? Isn't that great? We don't waste any time hating anyone. We don't waste any time being frustrated with anyone. Because there will be nothing there but love. I'm glad for that, aren't you? I'm glad we have the opportunity to be messengers of love. That's the reason I say to you so frequently, let's use whatever tools we have to get this message of love out to those who need to hear it. Because the love of Christ will transform anyone. Do you believe that today? Now this week, I was kind of bemoaning the fact that I can't pray for you and lay hands on you. Because I know that there are people that you need the Lord to move on your behalf in situations that you're facing. And I guess I could be rebellious 
and just come out there and lay hands on you and spit on you anyway. But since I believe that rebellion has no place in the life of a child of God, I'm going to comply with what I'm asked to do. But here's what I believe. I believe that no matter who you are, when I pray in just a moment, that the Holy Spirit is going to touch you right where you are. And He's going to bless you and give you what you have need of. So if you're here in the house today and you have a need of any kind, you know, I've heard pastors say, I'm afraid to ask anybody if they need prayer for healing. I'm not. I'm not afraid to ask. We've got people in our church that are going through cancer and heart issues and diabetes and other things and they need healing in their body. I believe God is still able to heal. Don't you? So if you need healing, I know that we've got a lot of people that are struggling financially because of unemployment, all other kinds of things. If you have a financial need in your life, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. Some of you struggling emotionally. This thing of separation has has caused a lot of people to become discouraged and depressed. But how many of you know the joy of the Lord is our strength? So whatever you have need of today, if you have a need in your life and you want prayer, I want you to just stand right where you are. You don't have to get out. You don't have to come up. You don't have to move to the side. I just want you to begin to stand up wherever you are. Wherever you are. There you go. Amen. Amen. And you know that you can pray for yourself, right? And you know that I can pray with you. And you know what happens when you pray and I pray at the same time? The Bible says if any two agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of them of the Father which is in heaven. Now, do you believe that today? So I don't have to spit on you this morning. And I don't have to lay oil on you this morning. There are times when that's appropriate. But in this moment right now, I can pray with you. And our intercessor, Jesus in heaven, is alive and making intercession for us right now. You believe that? So let's pray. You call your need out. Call it out. Don't be afraid to say it. Call it out. And we will pray together. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray for everyone that's standing in this house today, signifying that they have a need in their life. And Lord, I agree right now with those who have a physical need in their body. Lord, there's nothing too difficult for you. You are able to heal them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Lord, I pray that right now in Jesus' name, that healing virtue will manifest in their bodies right now and that they will be amazed, Lord, at what you do. I pray for pain to leave them. I pray for disease and sickness to be overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ right now. Healing, Lord God. 
cause their organs to work properly and do what they were designed to do in their body. I pray that you would cause their legs and their ankles and their hips and their arms and their joints Lord God, to work properly. I come against arthritis right now in the name of Jesus that is taking up residence in bodies today. Lord, I pray that it will be defeated in the name of Jesus right now and that they will be over, that it will be overcome through our faith in you. Lord, I pray for those who are having problems in other areas of their lives, with their heart, with, with their pancreas, with their liver. Lord, I God, I pray that they would work appropriately and effectively now in Jesus' lovely name. Lord, there are those who may be struggling to walk and struggling to get up out of their chairs because their joints are weak or because there's great pain. I pray that you'll strengthen those knees and strengthen those ankles and strengthen, Lord, those the, the waist and the, and the backbone and the other supporting bones so that they'll be able to rise without any pain or any struggle, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for those who are struggling emotionally today. Lord God, that you would allow the joy of the Lord to break forth in their lives. There are people in this house today that they haven't laughed in a long time. I pray that before this day is over, that they will belly laugh so hard that they'll wonder what in the world has happened. And Lord, the answer will be that the Spirit of the living God has been set free and loosed in them and the joy of their salvation has returned to them. Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, I come across, come against every devil in hell that is trying to kill them, steal from them, and destroy them. They must take their hands off of God's people right now in the name of Jesus because we are in agreement together. Lord, there's nothing that we can't do through the power of Jesus Christ. You are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that lives and resides in us. I pray that men and women will begin to get called back to work, that they'll be able to provide for their families. I pray for small businesses, that they will have business like they've never had before that you will send people into their businesses that will purchase from them and allow them not to be saying, I don't know if we're going to make it or not, but their mind will change and say, through Jesus Christ and His power and His provision, I'm seeing greater days financially than ever before. God, I believe you're able. I don't care what any of the news media says. I don't care what all the doom speakers have to say today. All I know is that you are alive and well. You're still on the throne. The church is not dead. The church is alive. And we're on the verge of a last day's outpouring of your Spirit that is going to revive the church like never before. Souls and family members are going to come to the altar of Christ and turn their lives over to you and revival is going to break out in our land. Father, I am so anticipating what this world is going to look like 
when your people humble themselves and pray and cry out to you and call out to you. Lord, you will move among us. Lord, I come against fear. Lord, I know that we've been saying it for weeks. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. Caution is not the enemy of faith. We've been saying it and saying it and saying it. And yet there are still men and women in this house today that are living and operating out of fear. But God, help us to understand today that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I I come against fear and I pray Lord that you will release faith in us that will overcome every fear that we may have brought in this house with us our families Lord are going to come to faith fear is going to be gone our bodies are going to be whole no plague shall come against us in the name of Jesus I trust you trust you in my life my season is shifting I want the new normal not the normal that the world's talking about where I've got to walk around with all kinds of regulations and guidelines I don't want that kind of normal I want the new kind of normal that allows me to walk in the Spirit every day of my life and know that your hand is upon me and that by faith in you all things are possible to those who believe. Amen. I'll wake up every day with a smile on my face. I'll take every step with a song in my heart. Every provision that comes into my life will be there because of the hand of the provider. You are my portion in the land of the living. Oh God, I believe that you're doing a thing in your people right now that is going to be manifested in powerful ways in days and weeks and months to come. And when they look back on 2020 and say it was one of the worst years in history and that we don't ever want to do it again. I believe people of faith are going to say, I thank God for everything that happened in 2020 because it brought me up higher. It increased my faith. It expanded my ability to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2020 has been the best year of my life because of the transforming power of God and all that He has done in me. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church, give Him praise and glorify Him. He's worthy to be praised. Glorify you. Lord, I feel a shifting coming. Lord, the wind is blowing in a different direction all of a sudden. Lord, we, like, we used to sing, the wind is blowing again. Lord, it's blowing, it's blowing, it's blowing, it's blowing, it's blowing upon your people today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 I believe. Do you believe? I believe. I want you to look up to heaven and just say, Lord, I believe. I believe. 
I believe. <laughs> oh. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Let's wait upon the Lord for just a moment. Let's wait. His, His Spirit is doing a work right now. His Spirit is doing a work. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So I don't know. I don't know what that was. That was a that was a message given in tongues and interpretation from the from the Spirit of God to us. It's talked about in the New Testament. It's there. Study it out. Nothing weird about it, nothing strange about it. In fact, I believe as we go deeper into the future we're going to need more and more and more of the divine gifts of the Spirit of God working among us Amen Amen, Amen Amen I tell you what I'm not going to dismiss today I, I'm not going to put a close to this I believe some of you in, in your car on your way home it's all of a sudden going to hit you Spirit of God's going to meet you where you're, you are and you're going to get a fresh touch and a fresh move on your way home because the Spirit of God He doesn't work just on Sunday mornings from 10.30 to noon oops it's 12.09 doesn't matter the buffets are closed anyway doesn't matter He's working every moment, every second of our lives. He's breathing into us every breath that we take is given to us by God. Wow. Oh, I don't know. I just feel something happen in me right now. I just feel something in me that's happening right now. God is saying it's going to be different but it's going to be different in a good way it's going to be different in such a way that people are going to be looking up to me and expecting me to do what I've said I'd do all along and for those who are looking and for those who have faith it's going to happen it's going to happen it's going to happen it's going to happen come on church give him praise one more time glorify the name of the Lord Glorify the name of the Lord. Glorify His name today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They're going to sing us out of here today. Just worship as they sing. And when you're ready to go, you can feel free to go. God bless you. I love you with the love of the Lord. Amen.